0: nine six six zero zero support for weru comes from harry brown's farm starks maine where there is music in the cafe at night and revolution in the air dig at harryshill.net and facebook harry brown's farm it's coming up on 10 o'clock, and you are tuned to WERU-FM.
1: 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host, Ron Beard, is up next.
2: Good morning, and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works to seek alternative solutions. Talk of Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine. And like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be a benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. We live in a world that's increasingly technical where science unlocks secrets, where engineers build almost anything that can be imagined. And if that's today, what will tomorrow hold for today's young students? This morning, we're going to talk about how we engage students in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics so they're ready to contribute to their world and benefit from these advances. And I'm really happy to have some folks in the studio who can help help us with that conversation. Um, We have Judy Mathewson and... Allison Saunders, both um, of, uh, um, I guess we're calling it the the Alliance. Um, the Maine
1: Math and Science Alliance. Yeah, yes.
2: get right close to that microphone. The Maine
1: Math and Science Alliance.
2: Great. And um, and we also have uh, Bill Shaw. Bill is a retired biochemist and living in Stonington, and he's thought a lot about and, and had some great experience of helping young people think about um, the role of, of, of uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. Welcome to you, Bill. Thank you. Now, uh, Judy, um, you're in um, the Blue Hill area, um, tell us a little bit about your background and and, and uh, um, your connection. And then we'll introduce Tom Keller, who I believe is on the phone, or will be on the phone shortly, and uh, he can provide an overview. But your background.
1: Uh, my background is in journalism, uh, including some articles about science. Uh-huh. Um, and it's nice to once again be involved with promoting scientific ideas. Um, I'm working on the Blue Hill Peninsula and uh, on Deer Isle, to think up fun out-of-school opportunities for youth aged 10 to 18.
2: Great, and Allison, um, you're in the Dover and Dexter, or Dexter-Dover area. Give us a little bit of your background and, and uh, um, how you connect to this program.
0: Sure. Um, as a former educator, I used to teach at uh, Dexter Regional High School and uh, biology, chemistry, science. I've always had a passion for science and um, working for Maine Math and Science Alliance now as a, as a STEM guide, which we'll talk a lot about later, yes. um, has kind of given me that opportunity to, to continue to work with kids um, in the in Getting them excited about uh, science and, and mathematics and, and technology and, and engineering, and uh, in an out-of-school setting.
2: Right, right. And and Bill, um, a little bit of your background, um, biochemistry is is can be pretty technical, but you also have some practical aspects of that.
3: Well, yes. <clears throat> you know, I, I I was a physician trained as a physician, infectious diseases and internal medicine, and. Uh, uh, was in the United States till I went to Britain in 1972 for a year of sabbatical, and I stayed 28 years. <laughs> uh, I was head of a department of biochemistry in a university there, and uh, my background has always been involved with teaching one way or the other. Uh, when I was in Britain, I had an elementary school class that they let me teach part-time introducing kids to, uh, funny enough, bacteriology, uh-huh. which was an adventure. And, and uh, But teaching is my passion, and uh, I think the opportunities that, that we've had lately to as guides and encouraging that that whole process is a very very welcome
2: great and we're welcoming tom keller who's executive director of the Maine um, uh, uh, stem council working for the Maine um, science and math alliance welcome to you tom
4: thanks ron i appreciate it
2: perhaps uh, you could give us uh, the big picture um tell us um, a little bit about how you got involved in this and and this um, the, the big picture for Maine math and science alliance
4: Great, thanks. Well, first of all, Ron, I want to thank you and WERU for hosting this show because it's a very important uh, opportunity for people around the state to learn about uh, important things that are going on uh, through Talk of the Town. So that's that's wonderful. We have uh, engaged in this project in uh, expanded learning for youth and in, in opportunities in science, technology, engineering, and math, both because it's an exciting, wonderful field, interesting field to be in, as well as potentially there are some good career opportunities for, for people in these fields. So so the Maine Math and Science Alliance has kind of two major tracks. One is within the school system and working a lot with teachers on professional development, improving their knowledge of, of math and science and engineering in particular. But then we have this, this out-of-school piece that we've started, uh, particularly in, in Dexter Dover and Blue Hill, that, that Judy and Allison are so uh, integral to, where, where we're looking at that time that kids spend outside of school. 87% of their waking hours in, in, during their K-12 career is spent outside of school. And for many kids, they, they do have opportunities to, to use that to follow some of the things they want to do in science and math and technology and engineering through, you know, through robotics clubs or, or 4-H uh, uh, activities, those kinds of things. But there's an awful lot out there, a lot of kids who don't know about those opportunities and a lot of, of lack of connective tissue between what are those opportunities and how do parents and kids learn about them. Mm so we kind of see ourselves as this connective tissue piece to to not really do programs but to but to make sure people know about the Acadian Night Festival or the or the robotics clubs or those or hour of code kinds of things to to let them Flex their flex their wings in, in new areas.
2: That's great. Well, maybe I could just um, ask each of you, um, um, Tom, you in, by phone, and, and the others in the studio, that um, would just if you th- you could think back to what excited you about science to start with. Was there some experience either in the classroom or out of the classroom that kind of inspired you to say, ah, that's interesting to me? Tom, could we start with you? What what drew you to to this world? <laughs>
4: Yeah, well, this is going to be a little, a little bizarre, but I'll go with it anyway. <laughs> uh, my, my family, we've only been in Maine for 35 years, so, so we're, not, we're not Mainers. But <laughs> we grew up in the Midwest, and my father was, was, a, was a big outdoors person. Particularly, uh, one thing he liked to do was go snapping turtle fishing. Ah. So when you catch snapping turtles, of course, you know, they're food, so, so you need to clean them. And in the process of cleaning snapping turtles, I got to see the internal workings of a relatively large animal that had lungs and, and guts and hearts and, you know, just all kinds of different things. And it made me wonder, how are these things working together? Why are there so many different organs? What? How does this work? So when <laughs> I was seven or eight, you know, that, that's that's what grabbed me was to say, Boy, this is this is interesting stuff.
2: <laughs> great, great. Um, um, Allison, how did you get started in this? You grew up in the Dexter area.
0: I did, um, and similarly to Tom, my my first interest in in science was through nature and being outside and and going hunting and fishing with my dad and and just seeing all of the the wondrous beauty that is everywhere Um, and every time you open your eyes in maine you're going to see something you know beautiful if you're looking for it and i just found myself fascinated with that and and um just fell in love with with everything about nature and as i learned to understand ecology and and things that i I pursued it in in that way um and Went for a, a degree in wildlife, um, then decided to change and mm-hmm. and uh, into biology and education. When I when I again was in nature working at uh, Borstone Mountain um, Wildlife Sanctuary by uh, Maine Audubon and had an opportunity to to work with kids and realized, hey. They're excited about this too, and I can teach them something about it because I learned when right. growing up. Right. So that's that's kind of how it evolved.
2: Great, Judy. How did you get interested in in science? Um, you were in doing some journalism, I understand, and and kind of tra- helping translate science.
1: I, I certainly love doing the journalism and in, in, in interviewing scientists who uh, were doing some very interesting work uh, at the university of california santa cruz they were doing some interesting work with dolphins um but i actually remember back to high school which was quite a long time ago i must admit and learning about gregor mendel and being just fascinated and i remember doing i think it's called a punnett square to work out um some of the possible genetic outcomes this was very rudimentary but I
2: loved it. Hmm. Hmm. And that was a combination of mathematics and science, th- those squares. I guess so. Yeah. 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 Bill Shaw, um, what was your first connection to the the curiosity of, of, of that science and, and medicine might be? Yes.
3: Well, <clears throat> uh, I was raised by a aunt and uncle after my parents died when I was quite young. And uh, there was no science anywhere in the neighborhood uh, outside of Philadelphia where I grew up. I had two exceptional science teachers in the high school level, uh, chemistry and uh, in physics, and uh, I, when I got to college, I majored in chemistry. I, I had took no biology at all, in, in four years, and uh, later, by a strange quirk, um, I was headed for MIT to be a chemist or a chemical engineer after having worked in industry, chemistry industry one summer and made a bucket of money. I was <laughs> thrilled. Uh, but uh, on a flight back from London I sat next to a Chinese gentleman who was a surgeon in New York and we got uh, socked in in Gander, Newfoundland for hours drinking coffee and uh, he said, heard my story and he said, I don't think you should be a chemical engineer you should be a doctor I said, funny enough, my father was a doctor he said, well I thought so, yes and uh, so this conversation went on. We got to what was then Idlewild Airport in New York and got off the plane. His elegant Chinese wife was waiting to greet him. And he turned and he said, uh, uh, this is my friend Bill. He's going to be a doctor. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so great. I got eventually around to biology in, in a mechanistic sense. Um, uh, where the place where chemistry and physics come to impact biological systems and infectious diseases was a natural for that, antibiotics and mm. related issues. So all of
2: your stories, it seems to me, have involved um, some place of inspiration, but also um, career. Um, and I think that's what um, this alliance is, is all about. Tom, um, go back to you. you. I think you first started, um, the, the alliance first started in the school system, and you made some progress there. What led you to believe that the out-of-school um, experience was as important or maybe more important?
4: Well, one, one thing that, that schools are faced with is, is a, a time issue. You know, mm. they have lots of things they're trying to teach, and unfortunately the way we are now is, and it's it's incredibly difficult to be a teacher, Ron. I I don't know if you've ever been in a classroom, but my goodness, you've got so many things coming at you from different directions, and and, and not all of it has to pertain to learning. Hmm. So right now, teachers are are focused a lot on you know those school report cards and and testing scores and making sure that that kids do well on. Uh, the the state tests in reading and math and science has really taken a back seat to any kind of uh school uh, opportunity time and we you know we heard that pretty loud and clear as we go around doing uh, teacher professional development so so we said there is this other field of study called out of out of school learning that actually is a has quite a deep uh, research base to it and so let's let's tap into that to say particularly as Allison noted in this beautiful place we have with all kinds of opportunities we we don't want kids to be necessarily you know sitting inside looking at the at the tv when they come home from school what are ways that we can that we can help them uh put that time follow their interests? that's a big thing that we have to we have to do is is talk to kids and see you know what are you what are you interested in right now with schools that's very hard to do because the, the standards that we have in, in math and science and, and engineering are, are, are quite good. They're, they're good and rigorous, but making that connection to the real world is, is elusive for us. So, so we kind of said, it's wonderful, schools are doing a, a good job in, in trying times. Let's see if we can take advantage of this out-of-time uh, opportunities for kids as well.
2: Great. And before I I get more from uh, Judy and Allison and and Bill here in the studio, um, perhaps you could give us some of the background that that, um, begins to shape um, why this is important. What do we know about um, students who have engaged effectively with science, math, um, engineering, technology? Um, What do we know about their futures, um, both um, perhaps as college students, but also as, as citizens, as employees?
4: Well, you hear what what the what the people in the studio said about the connection that they make between some some activity or some mentor or some experience they had and and their their personal careers, and that's that's a, a wonderful uh, affirmation of how this works. What what we try to do is to just let kids keep that door open to math and science. They get a lot of a lot of. Uh, Uh, messages through media and such that math is hard or you know you never use algebra or or you know what good is this biology you're taking in school how does it connect to 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 my life as an adolescent so so the, the what we are able to do is to is to get kids thinking more on problem solving and more on working together and and building communities uh within these these uh stem opportunities such that such that they can they can kind of feed off each other, which is a very important thing. Even in careers, you need to be able to work with other people. You need to think about how do, how does this group function if we're if we're doing a if we're trying to figure out better better uh, floating lines or sinking lines or lobster traps. How are we going to go about doing that? And it makes no sense that we each individually do that, but but come together with kind of an organized, you know, logical, dare I say, scientific. Uh, thought pattern on how do we solve this problem? Mm. So it gives them the chance to, to to Try things and to and to think about how this problem-solving and and communicating and and uh, uh, Working working across different types of learning styles different types of, of uh, backgrounds really plays out in, in any kind of job or career that a, that a kid wants.
2: Mm. So um, as you began to look at this um, um, out-of-school um, type experience, um, you probably had some some uh, partners in, in thinking about that. And then how did you choose um, the pilot areas or the, the startup areas in the Dexter-Dover area and the Blue Hill-Deer Isle area? How did you make those choices?
4: Well, we've had some fabulous partners. So the, the first part of your question is, is – uh, Cooperative Extension 4-H is a wonderful STEM partner as well as understanding how, how volunteers uh, can be sought and, and the, the care and feeding of volunteers uh, as well as the fact that they're in every county in the state and, and every state in the nation. So they have a tremendous research base and, and, and practical base on how do we go about doing these STEM activities, although they might have started with animal science, but now there's robotics and there's, and there's computer programming. There's a lot more to 4-H than there was when I was a kid, which was many more years ago than when Judy was a kid. <laughs> I don't
1: know about that, Tom.
4: <laughs> and so, and, so they're, they're a great partner. Another great partner is, you know, there are 243 public libraries across this state who have... Trained people and resources and and buildings, and they're kind of going through a transition as we move away maybe from print books to more electronic books they're trying to say, what can we do so we're partnering with a group called Cornerstones for Science that works with with public libraries to create maker spaces and and have more more uh, resource center type atmosphere than than what a traditional library has had in the past. Finally, a great partner in the in the Castine area is Maine Maritime Academy, which is really Maine's STEM academy. They're focused, you know, strictly on science, technology, engineering, and math, and so all kinds of of opportunities there to to make the connection real for these kids and. And the kids who go through Maine Maritime come out with jobs pretty quickly and pretty good-paying jobs, too. Right,
2: right. Well, I, um, you may or may not have time to stay with us. Um, I'll keep you on the line um, for as long as, as, as you can be there. Um, but uh, let's let's hear a little bit more from um, Judy and, and uh, Allison about how it actually works in their two um, regions. Um, uh, Judy, start with you. Uh, talk, talk a little bit how how are you and What are some of the things that you're doing day-to-day or, or month-to-month?
1: Absolutely. It's still sort of early days, but I would say that the most important thing is that I am boots in the ground. I'm embedded in the uh, Blue Hill Peninsula and the Deer Isle area. And um, I can think of a few examples of the kind of thing I've done. Um, I alerted uh, the head of a Girl Scout troop uh, to a fun robotics fair, and she took all, all of the Girl Scouts and we provided gas cards for the transportation. Uh, Just this morning, I was watching um, a school teacher uh, doing Hour of Code with her students, which is a program that's not our own, but that we're helping to promote. And I will be in touch with her um, to let her know about follow-on out-of-school activities that the enthusiastic students might like to pursue. Hmm. So perhaps that gives you a sense of some of the kind of thing we're doing.
2: So to to capture that, it's, it's knowing about... Um, out of school um, opportunities and resources, and then linking them up both with um, teachers, but also with others that might be um, serving as as guides or mentors to young young students. Absolutely. Yeah. And how does it work? Um, you've been in the in the Dexter area a number of different ways, but um, what what's your work with with the math and uh, main math and science um, alliance,
0: Allison? So in in the Dexter area, we we are working very similar to what Judy is doing in direct service with, with kids, working one-on-one, f- and families as well, finding opportunities for them. And part of that process uh, has to do with what um, is called a resource bank, a STEM resource bank. And the REACH Center, which is a project of, of Maine Math and Science Alliance, is, is kind of a clearinghouse, if you will, of, of main opportunities for youth Ages roughly, f- you know, fifth grade through high school, but also a lot of opportunities beyond beyond those grades, and for families. And so we take advantage of that resource bank in our one on one dealings with kids to to find stuff. We we meet with them, interview them, and really find out what they're what they're passionate about, what mm-hmm. they're interested mm-hmm. in doing, and and then locate whether it's a summer camp or maybe it's a it's a, an event that's happening next month, and and finding those little gems that are everywhere. When mm-hmm. we started looking uh, about a year ago, a little, maybe a year and a half ago, we, we started to discover that there are many, many, many more things out there than, than we even suspected originally. And it's, it's that connective tissue piece helping kids find the stuff that's there, but it's hidden, and, right. and they and, haven't found it. And
2: how do you link with the students? Um, how do you find out about students who might like that kind of support? That's a fantastic question.
0: Any way we can. Ah, yes. <laughs> um, we've, we've tried a, a number of different things, uh, of course, through emails and, and Facebook, uh, but have found the most successful is to actually partner with the schools to to get an opportunity to really meet the kids where they are for the most part Um, and we help with some larger events, things like science fairs, open houses, and make ourselves present mm-hmm. so that we can talk with kids and families and right. say, "Hey, there are these services out there, and and we'd like to help connect you with them." Uh, so we are doing activities like on ramps, the what we call on ramps. So something like a science club or a robotics club or a, a new project that we're as STEM guides are looking at called Teen Science Cafe. And we're exploring what's already out there and utilizing it in a way that that's easy for communities to to participate in and really get a chance to to meet those kids. There It might be a one time event. and, And then they say, hey. I really liked this. <laughs> this was fun. What else do you have? And and as a stem guide, I can say, oh well, hey, we've got this, 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 and this. You know, are you interested in in pursuing any of these options? And and following up mm-hmm. is right. really important. I know Judy has found that that that's that's a big piece. You might meet them once, but following up with Mm -hmm. them and and continuing that dialogue is really important. Mm -hmm.
2: I'll just remind the listeners that we're talking about science, technology, and math. Um, Here on WERU's Talk of the Towns in the studio with us, we have Judy Mathewson and Allison Saunders, who are STEM guides. Is that how (laughs) you're pronouncing it or saying it? And also um, uh, Bill Shaw is here. Um, He's a retired biochemist um, and physician, and uh, he had some early experience, and I'm going to come back to him in a minute. And uh, still on the phone with us is Tom Keller, who is with the Maine Math and Science Alliance. Anything that you'd like to add, Tom, before we let you go? Because we're going to try to get um, a, a current student, a college student, to talk about his experiences in, in just a moment. But anything you'd like to add, Tom, before we let you go?
4: I would just like to add on, on Allison's point and your good question about how do we reach youth and mm-hmm. certainly schools, it's kind of like Willie Sutton, you know, that's where the kids are. <laughs> but but there are a lot of homeschooled kids there there, you know there are other places so so part of our model has been to work with people such as allison and judy and bill who are embedded in the community who know lots of people so their personal networks are are as valuable as the schools this kind of outreach you know through weru another way uh uh you know we've we've as allison says however we can find them uh certainly schools are are the the most obvious candidate but you know i'm i'm hoping we get 25 50 people to call allison and, and judy after this show to say how do i how do i access your services
2: great great well tom thanks so much for uh, being with us here on talk of the towns this morning
4: I appreciate the opportunity, Ron. And and if there are any questions, uh, uh, just have Judy and Allison answer them. Okay, (laughs) I'll do that. Thanks, Tom. Thanks. All right,
2: right. take care. Tom Tom Keller from the Maine Math and Science Alliance. And uh, now, a little bit um, to your experience, Bill. You, um, you know, came to the Deer Isle area with your um, your years of experience. And you were intrigued by how do I may help make these linkages? What was some of your experience, and maybe maybe cite um, some examples of students that you worked yeah. with? Yes, well, <coughs> well
3: uh, when I arrived about to the year two thousand, I uh, people said, "Well, you should get on the on the uh, school board or something <laughs> like that." And I, I said, "No, I that's too political. I want to I want to be more subversive about it." In a way. <laughs> And so my, my efforts were directed in um, by a former principal at the high school who would I act as a mentor for uh, a young science teacher who was struggling a bit in, in her first position. And that got me involved in high school science teaching, mainly chemistry, which is my first love, mm-hmm. but, uh, over about almost a decade off and on. And uh, one of the things I noticed right away was we did have on the island remarkable people, collection, not organized in any way. Uh, ranging from geologists to uh, particular mathematician, uh, engineers, various people, most of whom were retired. Never mind the summer people, because that's too complicated yeah. to mm. deal with. Uh, and uh, so, what I started with was the idea of something called inreach, not outreach. Uh, we don't have any Mount uh, Desert Biological Stations or Jackson Labs on Deer Isle, so. The question would be how to how to find these people and get them to reach into the school and be accepted, uh, helping out after school whatever whatever their forte happened to be, and uh, just to finish off this uh, last summer uh, I realized that we had uh, I think a total of six people who've lived in Antarctica. Mm. Uh, and they came forward and said is there any way that you know we could engage with the kids and i said wow <laughs> this is because it's global warming it's navigation at, at high uh, high latitudes it's all kinds of, of issues come up and uh, so that's a, a work in progress and uh, nothing has come from it yet but this is the kind of when you have people like that it's a wonderful opportunity to build on that mm-hmm. and uh, that's a kind of a would be a flagship program in a way because mm-hmm. it would involve more than one student and more than one expert. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but there are going to be other examples, I hope.
2: Well, your your example and and um, those of your kind of uh, colleagues, your retired colleagues, um, say that there's amazing resources in our communities and that um, we need uh, ways to link them up. They might not know how to link them up. The schools might not know that those people exist um, or other groups. So this linkage that that you're all involved in is just a wonderful way to... To, to go about it. Yeah, so um, we're we're going to um, still try to get a um, current college student to talk about um, His experiences um, growing up in the in the local area and thinking about um, science and math and we'll see if that works or not um, Where where would you like this um, to develop? Um, um, Allison you've been at it a little bit longer than Judy in terms of things um, Where where would you like your program to start, kind of start to grow?
0: So the STEM guides program is is designed to be replicable in other locations, in particular rural locations. And it's our hope is to grow to five locations in Maine at at, at a minimum. And we're also hoping that not just the, the locations grow, but the interest grows. And as people talk more about STEM. So science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Mm-hmm. You'll hear that term a lot. It's kind of a buzzword right now. Um, and that's why we're called STEM guides. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're mm-hmm. like guidance counselors for, for STEM. Or main guides. <laughs> or, or main guides. It's a, it's a play on that as well. Um, and so we're hoping that that people pay more attention to this and start to recognize that that the stem that we're talking about when many times when particularly adults that maybe didn't have a great experience in school for whatever reason they struggled when they start to realize that stem isn't just science as the text in the textbook sense or math in the textbook sense but it's everywhere stem is all around us and so growing that awareness and understanding that it's applicable in every aspect of, of our lives and helping kids make those connections. We're we're hoping to to grow the appreciation that kids have for what's what is there, what what they have for potential uh, to to make careers out of things that, that they're interested in that they never thought about were connected to STEM. Mm-hmm.
2: I like that notion of of that connectivity and the fact that every day we're using Elements of stem um, to live our lives and it starts with curiosity. Why does something work that way? Could I do it better? Could I make something from that knowledge and um, Everybody needs that but let's um, go now by phone to Michael Sentner Zabata who is a student um, at Harvard University, um, but he's also a graduate of George Stevens Academy We're delighted to have you on the phone with us Michael. Welcome to talk of the towns Hi. thanks so much
5: for having me this morning
2: Um, Michael, tell us a little bit about your experience um, at George Stevens and what led you um, to be interested in science um, in that experience.
5: Okay, well, um, I graduated from George Stevens Academy in 2010, a couple years ago, and now I'm a senior in college. kind of flown by. Hmm. Uh, But I've been really interested in in science in particular because my uh, dad is a retired surgeon, and um, I plan to follow in his footsteps and go on to medical school
2: and become a doctor as well. So, um, do you remember, um, particular aspects of, of uh, um, the school setting, um, at George Steven that either encouraged you or perhaps, um, um, got in the way of your pursuit of science?
5: Uh, well, first of all, I'd, I'd say that, um, uh, George Steven's Academy did a really, really great job of preparing me for college in general. Um, they had a really strong academic program overall. Um, they did a great job of prepping me. Um, Although in science, um, it was a little bit tougher because um, GSA doesn't offer um, very many AP classes, um, particularly in science. Um, so that was kind of uh, a difficulty because when I got to college, I was, of course, competing with a lot of kids from all over the country who had you know, taken every AP class available <laughs> and aced every single class. Coming from a a small school with GSA that had limited AP resources was tough. Um, So that just meant I had to do a little extra work on my own. But um, in general, I thought the school did an excellent job and I was very, very pleased with with, um, the results coming out in GSA. So that was a little bit of a... Of a hindrance to me, but that's just something that I had to get over
2: on my own. Sure, and what about out, out of school? Did you have experiences, um, perhaps, um, um, with your dad or with other people that um, kind of um, encouraged you along this path in some way, e- experiences or people? Uh, yeah, I'd say, like,
5: that um, first and foremost was, I guess, my like, inspiration to Hospital, um, so that certainly is a little inspiration. Meeting some doctors there, spending some time, um, seeing what they do, and seeing how they were patients—that was a nice experience. Um, and then, I guess extracurricularly, I was involved on the math team and, and some other you know, little science groups. So that was kind of cool as well.
2: Mm-hmm, great. And and if you were to. Um, um, kind of go back to George Stevens, um, your area uh, today, um, what would you tell um, students um, there now about the journey <laughs> that you've been on in terms of, of pursuing um, an undergraduate degree and then um, pr- perhaps going further?
5: i tell them not to give up. It's totally possible. You know, a lot of kids may think that just because we come from such a, a rural area that doesn't really have any resources, that science really isn't an option for them. And I tell them that's entirely not true. If they really want to pursue some career in engineering, yeah. math, science, technology, that the options are available for them. They just have to show a little bit of initiative and, and pursue them themselves.
2: And um, a, a kind of a final question. Um, if um, a STEM guide had been in the Blue Hill area when you were a student, um, or perhaps there's other STEM guides who are, um, potential STEM guides who are listening to the radio program this morning, what would you tell them about um, reaching out to young people to encourage them to think about these connections to science and math? I would tell them that
5: I think there is a great interest already available within, within young children. I think maybe much more than they even realized. I remember as a student in GSA, a lot of my friends were actually very interested in science and math and have gone on to study science in college, too. Um, And if we had more resources available when we were younger, that would have just benefited even more. Mm -hmm. But I think I would just be very very encouraging to those individuals and tell them that, yes, there is an interest out there. um, And maybe it's not voiced um, as much as it should be because students maybe feel a little bit... Um, intimidated in the, in the settings in which the, they're growing up
2: but um it, it's certainly there that's for sure and um you probably uh, had friends who were not going to go on to college um there at george stephen um anything you'd say to students like that um what what should their connection be or what could their connection be to science and math uh
5: well sure you don't have to um of course go to college to pursue um something in, in the sciences or, or in math and um I, I would just tell them that um, if they have an interest that they that they should pursue. And I think that's the direction of our of our society today. Uh, many jobs are opening up within math and science fields and, um, and if they have any interest, it's, it's worth looking into because it's a very rewarding career path.
2: Great. Well, thanks so much for taking time out of your um, activities as a senior at Harvard um, to be with us here on Talk of the Towns.
5: Thanks so much for having me this morning.
2: Okay, that's Michael Sentner Zapata, um, a former um, a graduate of George Stevens Academy, now at Harvard University. Here on Talk of the Towns, we're going to open up our phone lines because perhaps there's listeners um, who have been heard this the first part of our program talking about science, technology, engineering, and math and their applications to um, the future. Um, and give us a call if you've got your own experience or your questions for our guests. One eight six six. 625 9378 That's 1-866-625-9378. If you have questions or comments for our guests here in the studio, Judy Mathewson and Allison Saunders, uh, both um, STEM guides, Um, uh, Allison in the Dexter Dover region, uh, Judy in the Blue Hill and Deer Isle um, area. And also Bill Shaw, who was kind of a former STEM guide or, or a mentor um, in this. He's a retired uh, physician, biochemist uh, um, living in the Stonington area. Um, give us a call, 1-866-625-9378. Um, so uh, as you think about um, this kind of connection, um, any stories to tell about young people or their families that uh, you've had great success with? Um, Allison, you've probably got a couple of those kinds of stories
0: thankfully yes um, and i would like to say that it, it's it's definitely been a slow process mm-hmm. and mm. so getting even though as Judy mentioned earlier, being embedded in a community is really important. I've found that, that, that that's been very valuable for me because I do know so many people having grown up there and having taught there, but but still there's that, that kind of hesitancy to to call someone up and say, okay, yes, I am interested in, in science, but... Um, but, what can you do for me? That there's a lot of hesitation right. Right. there. So I had to find I found that i I had to go and, you know, really kind of knock on doors and mm-hmm. and send emails and phone calls. Um, but i I had a really interesting experience with um, a, a young girl that had her mom had come through. We had a, a science fair. TNT Thinkers and Tinkerers Expo last spring at Dexter Regional High School that was open to the community and um, at the time the REACH Center, Maine Math and Science Alliance, helped to bring in community members who, who were STEM experts, who were you know scientists and, and amateurs as well. We had an amateur mm-hmm. astronomer there, um, things like that. And uh, a mom came through and, and signed up and said she was interested in, in what we had available. And I said, "Oh, fantastic!" I'll, you know, I'll, I talked with her a little bit. I, I gave her a call and found out she had a daughter that she didn't, she hadn't mentioned originally. So I, I set up a meeting with her, had a conversation, and her daughter was there. And we did ended up doing a youth interview with her and found out that she is passionate about wolves. She loves wolves. Mm-hmm. Well, there was nothing in our resource bank about wolves because wolves, of course, are extirpated from Maine. They don't they don't live here anymore. Maybe up north, but yeah. uh, that's another show, I'm sure. <laughs> um, and and it, w- it it struck me because that was one of my early passions as well. So having this conversation mm-hmm. with this young lady and 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 talking with her about, hey, have you read this book? You know, have you have you have you read *Julie of the Wolves*? Have you you know have you seen *Never Cry Wolf*? Have you do you know about *Wolf Quest*, which is an online gaming um, community about wolf packs, and and it's it's a it's a really neat opportunity to to learn a lot but also in a kind of a social atmosphere and have fun and um, so she she's been pursuing a lot of that and and i've been continuing to to have conversations with her and 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 Foster that mm. that interest, and it's been great because her mom is also now more engaged in this, and she has a science background and is looking to to start a science program herself for um, homeschool students and um, and others. Uh, she runs a, a after school care program, and she's looking to build. So we've made a lot of relationships there, and, and I'm, I'm trying to help to get her kids. Mm more resources and 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 things so that she can can help expand not just her daughter's interest but but those those children that she cares for as well mm-hmm. um so we've that's just one example of of a uh, of a blooming partnership that's that's there
2: mm-hmm. um, Judy, where where do your stories kind of uh, fit in terms of this um, successes or perhaps challenges that you've had?
1: Absolutely, and I'd like to answer that, excuse me, in just a moment, but I wonder if I could go back for a minute and build on something that Michael said earlier in the show. Um, I loved it that he said that, um, you know, if you try hard enough, there are resources in rural areas, but there is no question that uh, people who, are brought up in rural areas are disproportionately underrepresented in science. So that's why it's important that we can be that connective tissue to give them um, the access to some of the resources. Mm. That, mm. And, and Michael was right, they're there, but mm-hmm. we'll just make them a little easier right, to find. Right. And in <clears throat> to answer your second question, um, I've had the satisfaction of uh, interviewing a middle schooler with an interest in botany, and she was introduced to a professional botanist, and they have plans now possibly to go up to the uni- University of Maine and learn how to press plants in mm. the proper scientific way.
2: Mm. Oh, that's great! And and um, uh, uh, Bill, any any examples of uh, b- beyond um, the kind of uh, collection of, of uh, retirees? Any particular examples of, of work with,
3: with directly with students? Well uh, <clears throat> yes I've had a few examples like that and normally it's it's been students who sought me out mm-hmm. who were <clears throat> uh, okay them super achievers but on our little island we're definitely at the at the top of the class in terms of interest and, and achievement Who were definitely going on to follow science Mm -hmm. and in those cases i tried to be an unofficial mentor and to not to lead them in any way but answer their questions and offer often serve as a referee or whatever Mm -hmm. and i think i'm hopeful that that, uh, that will have helped over time but we had one particular class in 2006, which was the one boy is doing a PhD in quantum mechanics at Northwestern. <laughs> the other girls are a junior year at BU Medical School. The other chap's done a master's degree in electrical engineering and that goes on and on. That was an unusual class. Uh, but during meeting some of those classmates, that group, I learned from one of them in an after school remark in the hallway, so to speak. I said, there must be more to chemistry than that and what she meant was not that the teacher wasn't doing a decent job but that many of the top students uh, who are already highly wired up to do it feel that there's so much more they could do and I think that that is a problem in almost any school the bigger schools of course the larger the school more, the more it can take care of that cohort mm. the smaller schools can't break up the class and deal deal with it in bits and pieces And that led me to the only really significant um, pleasure, as it were, not pleasure, but satisfaction, which was getting the community to—it's 104 people contributed almost $80,000 to create a science center between the two classrooms, mm. biological sciences mm. from uh, derelict space, mm-hmm. and the idea was that the the fast track students it's not, you're not allowed to say that anymore, but the students who are particularly keen, the teacher could use that space to, for to extend their exposure mm-hmm. with hands-on learning, right. doing science rather than reading about it, and I'm hopeful that that will come to something. And it's early days now; it's been three years since it was inaugurated, but um, that could be a resource within the school that couldn't relate directly to the guide program, except the guides would know about that program and could link some of those students uh, to the outside world. Well, we've
2: had examples of people going on to college. What about um, not not all 4-Hers go on to college, um, but they have an appreciation of how things work because of the projects. Talk a little bit about that experience. Well,
1: I I haven't yet had that experience, but I'm definitely eager to uh, work with a student who perhaps wants to become a veterinary assistant and get certified in nine months. Uh, I'm sure I might meet many uh, teens uh, who... Can take a lobster boat engine apart blindfolded and put it back together and might not know that that means they're doing engineering (laughs) and help them with that so um, the cohort that Bill mentioned is certainly a, a piece of what we're doing but we're also trying to reach out sort of to everybody.
2: Mm. I'll list our phone numbers one more time, 1-866-625-9378 or locally 4690500. If you've got a comment or a question or perhaps um, you'd like to share your experience with um, uh, linking or serving as the connective tissue between our, our students today and the fields of, of science, technology, engineering, and math. Um,
3: a comment again from Bill Shaw. Yeah, w- w- one phrase that I like particularly... Is scientific literacy, which uh, is something that isn't focused precisely on a career, or but it's extremely important that graduating students have that have that feeling feeling comfortable with science.
0: Definitely, I I I see that as as incredibly valuable in in any person's life having an understanding of. Of a basic understanding of, of how the world works and and you get that in in school but you don't always necessarily see the practical application like you might learn about um, how cells grow and divide and you might learn a little bit about anatomy but really then getting that extra application, about how does that apply to me? How does it apply to my health? And and again, I'll I'll kind of piggyback on what Tom had said earlier. Teachers are having been a teacher and lived it and understanding it fully. There is only so much time in your life, and only so much time you have in a classroom. Um, but but helping kids to get the basics, and then having programs like STEM guides program or 4-H or Girl Scouts that can address some of these these. More personal connections for kids and really getting them to understand why they need to understand the biology that they're learning in in school mm-hmm. and how it applies it makes it more engaging it makes it more exciting and and they want to learn more they, it piques their curiosity and they want to continue to 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 learn about it and and it it can turn into a career mm-hmm. so easily mm-hmm. when when a kid finds their their spark their passion you know, maybe they're really good with people, but they don't feel they're good in biology. They, you know, they maybe struggle in, in their chemistry or biology classes, but they really love people and they like to make, they like to help people. There's, there's, there's sometimes that disconnect that, oh, well, you know, what am I going to do with it? I can't do anything with it. Well, maybe you should go to be a nurse you know you're you're passionate about making people feel better you bring you know your, your grandmother chicken soup when you, you know, on the right. weekends when she's not feeling well and 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 you're interested in how the body works but you, you you're missing that connection well maybe there's a 4-h program that that allows you to get into into a, a hospital and, and learn how you know nurses work and and you see that
2: well, Allison, you, you you bring back, you know, one of those eternal truths from Marshall McLuhan. What did he say about the future? It was going to be high tech and high touch. And we've got all this technology that we can use in a classroom or outside of a classroom. But we need that touch. We need the personal connection. Um, you've got a student that you recommended we call. He's on the line. Um, and tell us a little about that student. Introduce... Introduce this student.
0: Fantastic. Um, this is uh, Eric Kite, and uh, was a former student uh, at Dexter Regional High School, who I, I knew through several different ways. Um, one of one of which was um, he was a member of the Abbott Hill Ramblers, which was one of my favorite local bluegrass groups <laughs> of kids. So <laughs> that's um, that's that's how I uh, came to know Eric. Uh, came to know Eric, but um, he has. I, I had a conversation with him uh, yesterday about where he's at in life, and um, he is a computer programmer, basically. And we talked a lot about... Back when he was in school, that the opportunities to to learn programming were were not there so much, and it was kind of looked down upon, or it, like, "Oh, you're a nerd." Or so, <laughs> some, Eric, some of those Eric, things.
2: welcome to Talk of the Towns. I'm so glad you could be with us this morning. Tell us Thank a little bit about that experience of, of of kind of being a student, having the interest and perhaps the aptitude um, to be be interested in programming, but not having um, a connection that you could make easily.
6: Well, I might have been uh, I might have been unique in that I, I wasn't entirely sure that I had the aptitude at the time, uh. and it wasn't until later. I, I always knew that I wanted to do it, but I always feared that I couldn't. So, uh, perhaps having a stronger connection to that and being able to um, to identify those um, those resources at a younger age, I might be able uh, I might have known what I know now a few years earlier, which would have been nice, but <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's it, um, it's just at the time, I was I was reaching out, and um, we did have one program, but I think uh, there there's probably going to be a push to, to add more um, density to it, and, and another you know another side of it. Um, I was in a graphic design program at the Tri County Technical Center, and I liked it so much I went back the second year in the same curriculum um,
4: just because I I was really enjoying doing something that I felt like I
6: might do you know as a career, mm. so. Um, they, they, the school was kind enough to let me join a year early, so I might have been the youngest kid in that class. I think I started as a sophomore,
5: mm-hmm.
6: so they wouldn't let me go back to third year when I wanted to go my senior year. But, uh, <laughs> but that, at the time, I mean, that was uh, that was really useful and to to know that there could be more more services out there like that, you know, for kids. Uh, well, that- I think it's great
2: and it strikes me is that you were you were um expressing a yearning that so many young people have what's the connection of what I've lear- i'm learning today in a classroom with what i might do with my life and it's all very well to say you should learn this it'll be good for you but you were saying what's the personal connection what's oh, h- help me understand this connection is that right um i you know
6: i think i think yes i mean i, I think ultimately um when I when I was when I was in school, I wanted to feel because I'm I'm kind of pragmatic in a lot of yeah, ways. So yeah. I wanted to feel like I was doing things that were really going to impact my future, and I wanted to own my own business. And um, you know, it's coding and, and writing you know writing code and, and being a developer, as we call it, um, is one of those things that you don't really need to have a lot of a lot of tools available. You just need a computer, uh-huh. um, and so you know. Kids today have have the resources. There's really no reason why a kid couldn't, you know, a kid in high school couldn't develop an app, and, and some do, you know, or or create, you know, some fill some need somewhere. Um, so for me, it was just, you know, I think I just kind of wanted to get on with it, with the show. Right. So to speak. when I was in high school, you know, I wanted to know that I didn't actually have aspirations to go to college, and I didn't need to okay. go to college.
2: Yeah.
6: Um, I, I felt like, you know, I felt like I.
2: <laughs> That's great. And what and, and just curiosity, what's the connection do you think between uh programming and music? Um a member of the Abbott Hill Ramblers, which is a famous group. I've heard about them.
6: <laughs> well now I feel like a star.
4: Uh-huh.
6: Uh, I I certainly enjoy doing that and um I mean the connection between programming and music is evidently it's it's greater and stronger than it ever has and, and if, if I could offer any about about that to anybody. I mean, if you have an interest in either of those two things, um, and you wish to bridge them, the demand for on-demand entertainment and specifically music is just so huge now. And there are numerous different um, the the consumers of America and the world are looking for new ways to consume music. And you know, if you want to uh, create software that could help, you know, recording studios deliver a better, faster, more, you know, dynamic, um, process to recording artists, those, those are opportunities that you can find. You just have to decide that you want to do it. Um, you could do it, uh, you could do it with, with, uh, video editing. I mean, there's, there's a number of different opportunities out there and being, having an ear for music would only help you in such a, in such a case. Um,
2: so, I mean, I think that's probably one of the most promising areas of developing apps is for that consumer. So, and and I listeners think. heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, thanks so much. I'll I'll, so. I'll I'll just see if if um, either Allison or any of our other guests have any questions for you. Allison, anything you want to follow up with?
0: Well, I'd I'd like to to thank him for for thank you, uh, Eric, for being being with us today. But also, I would you speak briefly about the uh, conversation we had about biology yesterday um. uh,
6: It was a large conversation um, I, I think um, although although I'll try to touch on what I what I remember was um, was useful we we I didn't really know that much about biology and it wasn't until I developed the I didn't develop an interest in it until after school and um, and so I, I just uh, I mean, to compare the, the two needs now and high school I me, mean, I, I didn't find like I was really making a big connection to it. But I mean, now you just see that you—you know—everybody's a scientist now. We use you know the scientific method in our lives to discern everything. I mean, everything that we do and think about has you know follows that path. And um, biology is especially interesting to me now. But uh, you know, at the time, I wish that I had—I wish that I had uh, understood that.
2: Mm. Eric, thanks so much for taking time and being with us here on Talk of the Towns this morning.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much.
2: Eric Height from uh, the Dexter area. Dover-Dexter. For,
0: formerly Dexter.
2: Right, great, <laughs> yes. great. Well, uh, we're about uh, time to wrap up. Um, it doesn't look like we have uh, calls from listeners. Um, so perhaps um, share w- w- all of you, share what your hopes are for this kind of work. What's What could this mean for the future of Maine, especially rural places? Um, who, who's ready to, to take that? We'll go around. Um, um, Judy?
1: Well, we are going to, uh, uh, we hope, uh, replicate our work uh, within the next A couple of years and three other sites in maine uh one of the interesting things we're doing is we're studying our own efforts Mm. Uh, we're doing baseline questionnaires to find out how much interest local students have in stem now and to see whether it's changed Um, but by studying it the hope is that we can replicate it across the state, and maybe one day across the country, mm. uh, in rural areas, so that uh, other people can have the kind of opportunity we hope we're providing uh, in our two hubs.
2: And what will what will guide you in making the choices about where um, to to locate these next um, hubs? Any any particular thing there? You're looking for rural areas, basically.
0: Yes and no. Okay. Um, we're, we're looking for areas where we, we know that there is a need. And of course, in most of Maine, there, there is an, a need for increasing access to, to opportunities. Uh, Maine has no large science museums within within its borders. We have many small ones which are fantastic, but there there are no places where kids congregate to so like, to, the, the, like I, the Boston I, Museum right, of Science. Which all exactly. of us I'm
2: sure went yeah. to at one point in our lives. Yes. Right, right. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So
0: we we know that we, we lack some of those resources mm-hmm. but but having having individuals and having small places and the and the smaller resources that we have many of connect, making those connections. So we know that there's a need in most of the state to, to make those connections. And then the other piece is having a person in a community who is really embedded, Mm. who can make the connections between the kids and, and the adults and the men, the potential mentors Mm. in a community. Those two things are, are absolutely critical what we're finding that those two things are, are absolutely critical in, in having some success. So, yeah. learning
2: from your ex- early right. experience and saying, "How do we apply that going forward?" Yes. Right. And yeah. if,
0: if I could just add one thing too, we we spoke earlier
1: just about scientific literacy, mm-hmm. and I believe that research has shown that out of school science activities uh, it boosts science literacy.
2: Mm-hmm. So. so that helps them um, in, in the in the moment in terms mm-hmm. of their their uh, courses and their grades, but it also helps them long, right. longer term, e- even Bill. if they don't go
3: on to STEM careers. Right. Bill, what's your hope for the for the future of this kind of work? Well, uh, <clears throat> one of my pet um, pet ways of looking at the uh, at science, technology, engineering, math is to. The, the primary scientific subject chemistry physics and mathematics that's those that's the toolkit you cannot do astronomy or agriculture or any biological subject without that toolkit some, mm-hmm. some of those tools mm-hmm. and so i think that the way to the link between the teachers who Help you build a toolkit and the outside world are the guides or should be the guides should be able to develop the landscape where you can take your toolbox and do things mm. And I, I think that's that's my final parting thought on the subject. It's making that connection the applications, if you will, but that's a pedestrian way of putting it. The opportunities lie out there, but without a toolkit, you're in the wilderness. You're lost in the wilderness. Well, it, it seems like
2: it's both. It's the toolkit and the desire to do something. Well, of and course, yes. You're bringing yeah. those
3: two desires together. Yeah, yeah. and and it's uh, they play on each other. I mean.
2: Great. Right. Well, thank you all for being with us this morning and help us understand what's going on and, and how people can help. Um, would you give us a, a website or a, um, a connection to the Math and Maine Math and Science Alliance, uh, Allison?
0: Sure. So Maine Math and Science Alliance, um, we're at www.mmsa.org. And also you can check out our STEM resource bank um, through the REACH Center, and that's www.reachcenter.me. Or you can also contact um, Judy Mathewson if you're, if you're in the Blue Hill, Deer Isle Peninsula area, or, or myself, Allison Saunders, um, in the Dexter, Dover, Guilford area to find out uh, more about what's going on and, and what we can do for you. Wonderful.
2: Thanks so much. We've come to that time, when I want to remind listeners that uh, this program is produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac, On a Balnane House Highland Music recording. Thanks again to our guest Tom Keller of the uh, Maine Math and Science Alliance. Uh, Two of the uh, STEM guides, Allison Saunders from the Dexter Dover area, and um, uh, Judy Mathewson from the uh, Blue Hill. Blue Hill Peninsula Deer Isle area, and uh, Bill Shaw was with us. Uh, he's a uh, kind of a STEM guide and, and mentor, um, but retired biochemist. We also talked with um, two students, Michael S- Center Zapata, um, and also with Eric Hite. So we appreciate all of their help this morning. Thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to Amy Brown who engineered our program. And stay tuned for On the Wing. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns. Wishing you a good morning.
0: Support for WERU comes from waterfront concerts presenting